Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Look with me in Genesis chapter 26. I love Genesis 26. It, it, mar- it, it fascinates me. This is an amazing, amazing text. Verse 1, there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. Now, now we've moved over into another generation, and Isaac is in a famine, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Listen to this, verse 3. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants, everybody say, my children, I give all this land. I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. And I'll make your descendants multiply. Verse 6 says, so Isaac dwelt in Gerar. Go down to verse 12. And this is a famine. This is a, this is a famine going on again. It starts out telling you that the land that he's in is in a severe famine. Isaac sowed in that land. Everybody say those three words, in that land. And he reaped the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper. I like this, continued prospering until he became very prosperous. <laughs> you can smile sometimes when you read the Bible. Some of you, all you like to read about is hell. But here's a good, here's some good, here's a good verse right here. The man began to prosper continued to prosper and became very prosperous. What's wrong with that? For he had many possessions. Somebody said, well, that was just his soul. For he had many possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and employees. So the Philistines, the heathens, envied him. That's, I love that. I don't know why I say I just like that. The Philistines envied him. It was a time of famine. It was a time of famine and God said, stay here. I, I, I'm surveying this crowd here in Gainesville. I can't see the other campuses right now, but I would dare say that there's none of you that have been through a famine. You don't, you don't look like you've been through a famine. <laughs> I've seen people in a famine. Sometimes the children say, I'm starving to death. You're not starving to death. If if your hair turns orange and your belly swells up, you get full of disease, then you may be starving to death. But there's nobody in this room or any of our campuses starving to death. These people were starving to death in this text. Flies swarming barren ground, no rain, no moisture, no harvest, crops dying, animals dying, disease. Usually famine comes for two reasons, war. War is one of the main reasons that famine comes or weather related. And whatever caused the famine, the Bible said it was severe. People are dying. I want to give you two examples of what happened to people in famine, and then I want to bring you back to this. I'm just going to show you where I'm going. I'm going somewhere. I want you just to hear it. I want to talk, I want to, talk to you about what to do in the time of famine, what to do when 
when, when things aren't working out like you thought they would. I want to show you what to do. This is a marvelous story that you got to get in your heart. I thought about Naomi and how that Naomi and her husband left Bethlehem. I'm, I'm switching gears and I'm going to another story. If you don't know the Bible, just let me tell you some Bible stories real quick. We're going to come back to this story. But I thought about Naomi. The Bible said she was in Bethlehem. Bethlehem in Hebrew means house of bread. It's where Jesus, the bread of life, was born. Bethlehem, the house of bread. And there's something wrong with that, that they were in a famine in Bethlehem. So that tells me that you can be in, in Bethlehem, in God's house, in the right place, and still go through famines. You can have the right job. You can be in the right marriage and everything dry up. You can be in the right church and go through a famine and you don't feel God and you don't get much out of it. You can be in, 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 in a relationship, all kinds of things. Our tendency is to always run as soon as we get in a famine and change and go somewhere else. And that's exactly what Naomi and her husband did. She had two sons that were married to two girls. And they said, well, this is a pretty bad situation. We've got a famine in Bethlehem, the house of bread. Let's leave it and let's go over to Moab. Interesting, Moab is 25 miles from Bethlehem. <laughs> that's like going from, I'm in Gainesville. That's like going from here to Lawrenceville. That's 25 miles. That's not very far. I probably would do that. I, it seems reasonable. I'd probably pack up all my kids. And, and, you know, I know they didn't have cars and stuff, so probably a couple of days' journey, <clears throat> three days maybe. They got a famine here in Gainesville. I'm going to go over to Lawrenceville. They got plenty of food and stuff over there. So he, they, left, they left Bethlehem. They go to Moab, and while they're in Moab, uh, even though they had food, bad things happen, and... Her husband dies. Her two sons die. She's left a widow. And one of her sister-in-law, or daughter-in-laws walks off. And only one of them uh, stays with her, Ruth. And she's devastated. And she says, I went out full. I've come back empty. The famine has taken so much of me. And then she hears there's bread back in Bethlehem. This is a real, this is a real insight. When the house of bread goes breath, breadless, you need to hang around till the bread comes back. When God gave you your mate in a marriage and things aren't going good right now, you need to not look out somewhere else for somebody else. Because if you find another woman, I got, here's a news flash, she's got problems too. And if you find another man, he's got problems and usually more problems. So if the house of bread is breadless, don't run off. Stay there until the bread comes back. Because God put you there. He didn't tell you to go to Moab. Moab was a cursed place. It represents... It represents when we are in a famine spiritually and you get saved and, and then everything's beautiful and then you go through a trial, you go through a valley, you go through a setback and then you start looking over there at Moab and all your friends have gone back over there and they're over there partying and they're over have, having the time of their life and they're not struggling with nothing and here you are in church and you're struggling with everything. 
But I promise you, it's going to take more from you to leave in the famine than to stay in the famine. Because famine comes everywhere. And I'd rather be in the house of bread when the famine comes because I have a guarantee that the bread is coming back where I am. Whereas if I go out there, I'm never going to get it back. And I'm going to lose some things I'll never get back. So it ended with three funerals from one famine. And the Bible puts it like this in Proverbs 17 and 24. What a, what a brilliant verse this is. Wisdom is before the eyes of him who has understanding. But the, full, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. In other words, when you're a wise person, wisdom is before the eyes of him who has understanding. When you're a wise person, listen to this. You begin to appreciate the things and the people and the stuff that is around you. But a fool's always looking to the ends of the earth. If I could just get over there, if I just had that, if I could just get her, if I could just, if I had somebody like him, and, but, but, the, but the wise person says, I appreciate what I got. I appreciate the husband I've got. He may not be uh, what he used to be, but you know what? He's a good man and, and you ain't what you used to be either, honey, but, but let's just keep preaching. Let's, let's keep preaching. See, I could go off right there. I'm trying to be nice. Y'all know me. I have a tendency. Appreciate the family you have. Appreciate the wife you have. I wish you tell your children, why can't you act like so-and-so? Appreciate the children you have. Wisdom is right before a man who has understanding. A wise man appreciates what he's got. Value what you've got. Appreciate what you've got. But the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. Fools are always thinking, if I could get out there, if I could go to Atlanta, if I could go to Los Angeles, if I could go over here, if I, and what you're going to find is, is you take you with you everywhere you go, so you're going to have the same problems there. Sometimes I, I like to uh, see this. I get in trouble in this service more than any other. I edit, I edit a lot out of, out of the, but, but y'all get the unedited filtered version, unfiltered. But, but like Sharice gets on me about what I like those Bush people, those, those people in Alaska, that family. I, I told her I'm going to do that one day. We're moving over. We're going to find 5,000 acres in Alaska somewhere because people get on my nerves sometimes. And, and I just, I fantasize. My fantasy is one day walking away from all of this and getting 5,000 acres out in the middle of nowhere and I die. I can't, I can't farm or nothing. I can't kill nothing, cut nothing. I don't know how to clean nothing. I don't know how to gut nothing. I let other people do that. And I go, God, that's gross. And they wipe blood on me, but I don't touch it. Amen. Come on. You don't even know what I'm talking about. Deer hunting. And California don't have a heart attack. Deer hunting. Deer hunting. But, but, but sometimes I fantasize and she gets on and says, you, you watch the stupidest shows. These people in Alaska and stuff that just... And I, I, that's my fantasy is one day and just pastor in a little church. I, I wouldn't go there and do nothing. I'd start a little church for Eskimos or something. And, and it, it would never get over 40 people. Because people are always the problem. 
God, God, God spoke, God put the universe, the stars, the moon, all that out there. And he never had to deal with it again. It just stays there. He created the fish and they stay in the water and the bird stays in the air and the animals stay in the field. He put two people in the garden and said, don't mess with this section. And people are always, Noah didn't have any problem getting those animals on the ark. Every two of them just hooked up and said, let's go, baby. And they got on the ark and walked up the, cr- the plank and, and got in their place and perched themselves. But he couldn't get no people because people. Now that's free. That ain't part of my sermon. But the eyes of a fool are always on the ends of the earth. Well, if I could get over there, if I could go over there, if I could get that job. I, could, I, I, wish, I wish our church had it like that church. People, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like people who, who live in the city want to move to the country. I'm going to make this point whether you want me to or not. And people in the country all want to move to the city. And the people in the city say, I can't stand this traffic and I can't stand all this. I can't wait to get out in the country. I want to get out in the country. And then the people out in the country, I'm tired of cutting this grass. There's so much upkeep. My God, I have to go 20 minutes to get a loaf of bread and a gallon of milk. I can't stand it out here. So they both load up their U-Hauls and they're going past one another. Convincing themselves, if I can get to the country, if I can get to the city, I'll be happy. The eyes of a fool are always on the ends of the earth. And never has eyes of wisdom for where, it, where they are right now. If I could get that woman, if I could get that man, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be happy. If I could just, if I could get over there, no, you wouldn't. You've got to learn to value what God has given you. Church hopping. Yep. Well, you know, I just ain't getting much out of the free chapel much no more. I, I went over there and I just ain't. Maybe you need to stay where you are and sow into that land. Because it is a house of bread. If you never find a house of bread that God's hand is upon the bread will come back. It may, and I'll admit there are times when, when, when you get more out of our church than you do other times. It's just times when we just are in the, you know, just in it. And then there's times where you just kind of go along. But too many people hop from this to that. Oh, there's something new over here. There's something over there. And you don't ever get the hundredfold hopping. The same land that has famine is the one that has the potential, only the land that has famine has the potential for hundredfold if you sow into that land. And the reason some of you don't get the biggest blessings God has for you is because you hop from place to place to place. I thought about Abraham. Can I preach a minute? I thought about Abraham. The Bible said he got in a famine and had to go to Egypt. He, he told his wife, Sarah, who was 90 years old and beautiful. And he said to her, I am so scared that men are going to want you when we go into this city of Egypt 
that you lie and tell them that I'm your sister if they say something because they might kill me to get to you. Number one, if you've got a wife that is 90 years old and men are hitting on her and winking at her and, and, and threatening to kill you to get with her, you have something very, very... Come on, church. I'm preaching better than you're letting them. 90 years old. That's in the Bible. What was she, what? 90 years old. And I thought, well, his beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Must have been, he just so loved, isn't that sweet? He so loved his wife that he was freaking out over nuts. She wasn't really that pretty. But when they got there, the king saw her and wanted her. 90. I can't get over that. 90. Now think about this. And he made her lie and she almost got messed up and God sent a dream to the king and said, don't touch her. It's not her, his sister, it's, it's his wife and, and let him go. And Abraham got to feeling bad because he did his wife so wrong that he said, I need to buy her a gift before I leave. I need to, before I leave Egypt, I need to, I need to get her something real personal. You know how men do for Christmas and stuff? Let, let me get her a vacuum cleaner. Or, <laughs> what, what can I get her? Let's see. Iron or new washing machine. Oh, I'll buy her a handmaiden. Because that was the washing machines back then and the vacuum cleaner. She, a handmaiden was, what, I'll buy her someone who will fix her hair and make her bubble baths and Put a man on her pillow and come on, uh, make up the beds and vacuum clean and cook the meal. I, I'm going to get her a handmaiden and the girl's name was Hagar. Watch, one trip to Egypt when he should have stayed in the land that God gave him. And God said, I'm not promising you when I give you something that it won't go through famine. But I'm promising you if you'll wait, I'll bring back the blessing. I, sometimes God wants to test you. Sometimes God wants to prove what is in your heart. Can you be faithful with, with the famine? Can you honor and bless God in the time of famine, not just on the mountaintop, in the time of plenty? And so the result of one trip to Egypt, think about this, is he marries Hagar, or he doesn't marry her, he sleeps with Hagar, produces Ishmael, which produces the Arab nations, and one trip to Egypt, every soldier that comes home in a body bag came from one trip to Egypt. ISIS came from one trip to Egypt. 911 attack came from one trip to Egypt. One trip to Egypt. Not staying because he was in a famine. And some of you, as long as God's blessing you and as long as you're feeling the Holy Spirit all over you, but you've got to learn to stay through the famine times and the dry times. And you keep sowing into that land. You take the word, I don't feel nothing, but I'm going to read it. And I don't feel like praying, but I'm going to pray. And sometimes I pray and I might as well just been talking to that wall, but it's something about sowing into that land in the time of famine that will always bring the bread back a hundredfold. 
I need somebody to praise God if you believe I'm preaching the truth. Now Isaac is in a famine. And God says, I do not want you to do what your father Abraham did. I do not want you to do what Naomi did. I don't want you to leave the famine and go to Moab or go to Egypt. I want you to stay in the place where you are. There's always plenty in Egypt. See, Egypt had the Nile River, so they were never in... Egypt's the type of the world. They were never in famine because they had the Nile River. There's always plenty of fun in the world. Plenty of money in the world. Plenty of pleasure in the world. Plenty of music and high times in the world. And there you are sitting in the house of bread, starving to death, bored. You know, just no excitement, nothing happening. But if you'll sow in those times, folks, what I'm trying to get you to understand is God watches what we do in famine. And if ever there's a time not to hop and go back to the addiction and go back to the world and go back to the alcoholism and go back to, because you're going through a tough time, but you stay where you are. You sow into that relationship, that marriage, that family, that church, that situation, that job, you sow into it. God uses less than perfect places in our life to do something in the famine that cannot be done in feasting. It's the time of famine in our life that tests us and proves us. And God told Isaac, remain right here in Gerar. Interestingly, the word Gerar means to be dragged off roughly. I don't want you to go over there where they're having a good time. I want you to stay right here where they drag you off roughly. And it goes on to say, and to be chewed up. They're chewing you up, spitting you off, out, dragging you off roughly. And by the way, it's, the, it's where the Philistines live. On top of that, you got the warlike people all around you. And if ever anybody ought to pack their bags and get out of here, logic says you should. But God said, stay right there. Because I'm going to work on you. I'm going to prepare you. And when I release my blessing on you, you'll be able to handle the hundredfold, 100 times what you are today. I'm going to bless you if you can make it through the famine and not run away. I want you to stay. It's a bad place during the best of times. (laughs) And now they're in the worst of times, and I want you to stay. It's compounded by a famine. But you have to remember, when you get in a place like that, and it looks like things are not going well, that this is a dry season, and this is a bad season. Jesus is called the root out of dry ground. He located Jeremiah in a pit. He located David on the backside of a pasture. He located Moses in the desert. He located the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. He located Daniel in the lion's den. 
God looks not for perfect places, but really unusual places, hard places. It's the hard place that leads to the high place if you'll sow into that place. Everybody take a praise break and thank God for your trial. Thank God for your famine. It's getting the ground ready for a miracle. Somebody shout like you believe it with some excitement. Stay where God planted you. He works in surprising places. When you, when you get to the place that you say, I'm not going to escape. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to pack my bags. I'm going to stay right here where I am at right now. God said, Isaac, don't leave. Boy, I'm, I'm preaching to some Isaacs. Stay right where you are, your own course. And he stayed. All his friends left. Every, anybody with any sense left. But God wouldn't leave him alone, nagging at him, saying, stay. Then it gets real crazy. When he should have left, he stayed. Now this is big right here. If you don't get nothing else out of this sermon, get this. How well do you respond to the stay here command? The stay here command, even when you don't understand the stay here command. How well do you respond to that? That is what depends on what kind of blessing God can trust you with. I'm thankful for a lot of you because you stayed here through the thick and the thin, through the up, through the down, through the changes. Through the music, you know, I don't like that new music. I heard that 10,000 times. And now I'm going to get on that. <clears throat> there would be no old songs if there were not at one time new songs. All the old songs were new songs at one time. Do you understand one day somebody got up many years ago and said, Now, I know y'all like the old songs. But I'm going to sing a brand new song that I just wrote last night. I hope it blesses you. It's called Amazing Grace. And I'm sure there was somebody, I don't like that new song. Okay, okay. It's going to be one of those days. That's all right. I'll sow into the land of famine right here. It doesn't matter to me. Somebody got up and said, I have a brand new song. I know it's not a mighty fortress is our God, but, but I wrote this song the other night and it's just on my heart. And if you'll allow me, I want to sing a new song. Then sings my soul. How are you going to ever get any old songs if you don't never sing any new songs or allow for anybody to sing any new songs? Okay. Now, see, you keep getting me off the track. But I'm thankful is what I was trying to say for people who've been through it all and they kept sowing into the land, even when maybe you didn't like this, that, or the church was growing or a new sanctuary or the people there in Buford, you know, they're, they're in the, they're in a high school. They're sowing, sowing. It's, it'd be easier to go over there somewhere else. There's plenty of other places that are finished and groomed and not, they're meeting in a high school. Anybody can believe in that stuff. But when you sow into that land, whew, look out, look out. I'm almost done. 
So watch this. Here's where I wanted to hurry up and get to. Now watch this. Abraham then, or, or Isaac does something crazy. He takes the most precious commodity that he had, seeds, handfuls of hope. It's all I've got. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence I'm not saying. And seeds are important, but, but where you put them are, is important. And, and he says, even though it's a famine, there's no moisture. Can you see him hooking up? The mule and the plow, and it's so dusty. He's out there in a field. He looks like a madman plowing up. It's so much dust. It's a, it's a dust bowl, just a dust bowl. And he's throwing down seed and kicking, kicking the, the, the dirt on, on, on the seed. He's throwing down the seed and I'm giving you time, cameraman, to, to kick, to kick over. He's throwing down seed to kick over. And, and, and I can see him out there plowing. And if you had to look from a distance, it's just a big old dust bowl. He's crazy. Sowing seed, all that he's got. This is his future. This is his hope. This is, this is his children, his life, everything. And he's sowing it and putting it in a dust bowl. And he sowed into that land. Everybody say that land. He took corn. I don't know what he had. I don't know what kind of seeds it was. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it like I would do. Uh, he, he had corn seeds. Does corn have seeds? He had corn seeds and green bean seeds and potato seeds and, and squash. And he had okra. And y'all don't even know what that is in California. But he had okra seeds. And, and he had tomato seeds. And he's throwing them out there in that dry ground. And the Bible said he sowed it into the same land. And reaped a hundredfold. Oh my goodness. For every seed he put in to that famine ground, he got 100 stalks of corn. He got 100 green beans from one bean. He got 100 tomatoes from one seed. Can you see him sitting at that dinner table after he got it all in there? I believe he had big old corn cob that looked like a Louis Slugger bat about that long. And, and he looked like a typewriter going across. I know because I like it. And he had butter all over it. Sometimes I get it all over my face. I like to eat that kind of stuff by myself. I'll get it in my eyebrows. Amen. I have sometimes three. So what in the world? It's just good. I just like it. Get you some green beans and new potatoes and put a little bit of water in it. Now, I don't, I'm, I don't know how to cook, but I used to watch my mama cook. And, and put a little bit of water in it and some bacon in it. And, and he had it all going. Are you hungry? Can you imagine? All of that, when God says, stay in this place and you plan into that place, God says, I'll bless you a hundredfold. Now, I know people back up from that word, but Jesus said, no man will give to my work and not receive a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come. Shout like you believe God will provide. Shout like you believe bread's coming back to your famine. Mm. I'm almost done. Stay, he stayed where he was. He endured the famine. He sowed into that land. And he reaped a hundredfold. I like the fact in the same land, the same year. The same year. What do you mean? 
What do you mean that you don't believe you have to give? When he sowed into that land, God blessed him. I want to say to young people out there, maybe you're in a famine. Maybe you're in a place right now that's a famine, spiritually speaking. Maybe you're off in university, some college somewhere. Maybe, maybe it's like all they do is just party and crazy and everybody's doing this and everybody's doing that and you're the only one standing for the Lord. Sow into that land. You, you're dirt. You're made of dirt. We came from dirt. Sow into it. Take this book and sow into it. Listen, renew your mind on the Word. Keep sowing in the land that God has you in that university. God can raise you up a hundredfold. A hundred times. The word persevere, and I'm going to preach two more minutes and I'm done. But the word persevere, the word persevere, per means through, severe, go through severe, go through hardship, go through trials. Persevere. There's no perseverance. People quit everything. But we need people with perseverance through severe situations. You don't quit. You don't give up. You don't go to Moab or Egypt. You stay right where you are if you're fighting an addiction and sow right there and go through the severe. Sow the word and watch God bring a harvest of righteousness in you. I'm almost done. True story. The Civil War came late and long to... South Louisiana. And a dozen years before the Civil War came, there was a soldier returning from Mexico who gave Edmund McKinney some dried peppers. Just some dried peppers. And he tasted those peppers and he loved those peppers. He never, in that area, nobody had ever tasted peppers like that. And he ate those peppers and loved those peppers and said, I, want, I love these. And he planted some peppers in his garden. The Civil War hit that area. He and his family and all families, he was living in a place called uh, Avery Island in South Louisiana. And he and his wife had a salt mining business because Avery Island is on a salt dome. And uh, so... To make a long story short, the Civil War comes and he flees to Texas with his family running for his life. And after the war, many years later, they come back to Avery Island and all the people who did could come back came back and decided that there was nothing there, that the place was devastated, war ruined. He went to his old farm place, McKinney did, and all of his corn, all of his flocks, all of, or not, all of his... Uh, all of his gardens, everything, his fields, they were all ruined, destroyed, everything. His house was burned down. Listen to this, true story. Everything except one thing, his fields were overrun with peppers. <laughs> the only thing that survived the war for three years was peppers that he had planted. And now they had multiplied everywhere. And so he did a survey of what he had. See, I've got, I've got my crops that are ruined. My house is plundered. I don't have anything left but overgrown fields of peppers. I've got salt. I've got plenty of salt. I'm on a salt dome. I've got peppers in abundance. And he found some French vinegar in a whiskey barrel that had been sitting there for three years. And so he, he decided that he would take the peppers... And he would take the vinegar 
and he would take his own special salt and, and, and mix it together somehow, and he came up with a delicious hot sauce. Then he went to the city dump, and he was looking through the dump, and he found 350 small glass perfume jars or bottles. He cleaned them up and filled those perfume bottles with his hot sauce. And his sauce quickly became a hit. <laughs> it became Tabasco sauce. Every other family on Avery Island left and never came back. But he sowed into the land of famine five generations later in 23 different languages and 175 nations with sales of over $200 million a year privately owned company called Tabasco, and it's good stuff, all came out of the land of famine. When everybody else said run away, he sowed into the land of famine. So when you put this on your eggs and you put this on every, how many of you got a little bottle in your purse right now? Be honest. See there, look at there, look, look out there. Raise your hand. See, there's five generations of millionaires that came from one man who said, God gave me what I have. God told me to be where I am and I'm going to sow where I am and reap a hundredfold in the same year. Somebody needs to believe God for a mighty harvest in your life. All right, stand up. I went too long. Stand up. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but I'm talking to an Isaac. I'm talking to somebody, male or female, that the enemies told you, just get out of there. But the Lord has sent me today to tell you that if you'll sow in the land of famine, God is a God who can bless you with a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come. Now take just a moment, throw up your hands, open up your mouth, and I want you to praise God that if you are in a place where there's ever been bread, if you will remain faithful to God, the bread will come back. Just take a moment and thank Him. Thank Him. You've been worrying. You've been stressing. You've been, you've been upset. You've been a little discouraged. But the Lord told me to tell you that the one sure thing about a house of bread is if there's ever been bread there, if you'll obey God, the bread will always come back to Bethlehem. Always. Always. My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory. Now I want to do something different. Though. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.